Hello, and welcome to the What's Career Got to Do With It podcast, where we hope to provide a space for honest conversation and information that encourages the listener to take the next steps in their career journey. Wherever you are at in this process, we hope this episode will meet you with affirmation, guidance, and maybe some laughs along the way. On today's episode, we will discuss an answer, or many, to the question, how do I find helpful humans and resources to kickstart my search? I need a helpful human this morning. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a good way to start for us. We uh, All sorts of helpful humans, helpful coffee, helpful caffeine, get us going to talk about something that we have mentioned in part, but we really want to dive into today. Uh, really helpful humans, who are they? How do we find them? Uh, I mean, that's why we titled it in this episode, How Do We Find Them? So guys, people, everyone, how do we find helpful humans? Um, I think I'll start back just at the point of moving on campus and that first helpful human that I encountered was my RA um, because they were a good source of, of information to get me started. So I think that's a first point, that RA on the hallway. Um, I think for me it was um, the cafeteria workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're talking about as soon as we got to campus, the RA, and then definitely making friends with cafeteria workers. Um, they would always tell you what days are the days you needed to be there <laughs> to make sure you were first in line. Um, and it was more of a comfort thing as well too, right? So I was I was finding a piece of comfort in this new space that I was going to be in. Um, and food is comfort. And the people who were handling the food were extra comfort for me. <laughs> I agree. I think that housing point was a really good one because those are the first healthy humans you meet. RAs. The RD, housekeeping staff, all those folks are like the good kind of introduction to who's who on campus. Definitely. And, and I don't want to set this up for everybody because this may not be the the same thing, but mine was a person named Dave. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Dave, Dave. Shout out to Dave. It, like it, sometimes helpful humans find, yeah, sometimes helpful humans find us. And Dave happened to be a parent of one of my friends. And Dave was basically really really instrumental in me finding my next step after high school and he actually went all the way to write a letter for me and i I think that shows us the level of which helpful humans may go for us is come out of the the woodworks really to come up to us and say hey i've written this letter and i want to use it as some sort of way to talk to other people about what I think you can do and it helped in my recruiting journey because I played college football and I still have that letter to this day and it motivates me and I feel like I can go back to Dave anytime even though it's been a few years since I've talked to Dave but I don't want to set that up and saying that people are always going to come out of nowhere to write you a letter but sometimes that's how it happens too and I think the word we have avoided too <laughs> throughout this time it has been networking. <laughs> dun 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 yeah because of the weight that it does carry networking is this thing that really brings a lot of different feelings emotions with it and causes us to question everything so that's kind of why we have begun the conversation surrounding helpful humans because 
that's really what it is, is this networking piece. And, and so where do you think that, for you at least, where does that, that sense of uneasiness come from when you think about networking? I think it's that idea of something being transactional. Um, a lot of times when I'm talking with students about networking, one, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, I don't know how to talk about myself or I don't feel comfortable in talking about myself um, is usually one of the first statements. And then the other piece is that it just feels so transactional. Like I'm reaching out to somebody. They know that I'm reaching out for them for assistance. It's not necessarily to build out a relationship or anything of that nature. How do I make this meaningful and not so transactional. Um, so I would say the idea of talking about oneself and then um, the idea of networking and it being so transactional are likely the first two things. You like that, Kay? There was a... <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I heard I heard him and so, I just stopped. <laughs> I was going to let you go, Angela. I was going to wait. No, I didn't want to talk. Okay, well, listen... <laughs> You know, it's that transactional piece, yes, but I, as part introvert who becomes extroverted in um, something she enjoys, sometimes you just um, don't know how to start it, scared to start the conversation. Um, but it doesn't have to be that hard. It's just as simple as saying hello sometimes. And then you might meet that extroverted person and just carries the conversation and makes it easier. Um, but I think it's just that fear, that fear of just starting. Yeah. And I think like with going back to like the whole admissions process and then move in as a first year student, especially like when you talk about networking in high school, you kind of avoid it because you feel like, eh, I don't need it yet. And then you get accepted to an institution with this, um, like Duke that has this like prestige and kind of reputation behind it. And then you drop networking on your lap again and you're like, oh crud, like this is something that's really, really big and really, really serious. So how do I make it less anxiety inducing and less scary? I think that's kind of the big part too of like, oh God, I got a network and now I'm a Duke student. So I really got to do it. Yeah. I think about it as a qualification standpoint. Like we think about qualifications when it comes to job searching, but we don't think about it when it comes to networking or finding people to be helpful. I think yeah. sometimes we may compare ourselves and say, they are this person that I don't even know how to approach because they have done all of this in their career and I can never be them. And for me, I, th I think that was one of the things that prevented me from reaching out. It was like, should I even talk to this person? Can I even talk to this person? What if we don't have anything in common? What if uh, they are just speaking about things way over my head? But I also think that that's how we learn is to talk to people who know more than us. Mm -hmm. And the right people will carry on that conversation and provide valuable information and resources and helpful hints and language to the work we are doing. So how do we even begin that process? Um, I, I think the the natural thing that everybody hears is this thing called an elevator pitch. Uh, <laughs> funny story, I once ended up in an elevator with Mark Emmert, who at the time was a, the head of the NCAA. I had no idea who it was. And I was standing there and I was working in college football at the time and should have given him a pitch. And I did not. Um, instead, we talked about horse racing. I guess that was fruitful. Uh, <laughs> but what about for y'all? How 
how do you begin that that pitch or that conversation? That good old first step of the process. Know yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that 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 piece for me once I um, was introduced even back in my college days to the idea of an elevator pitch. Once I got that piece down, for some reason, the rest of networking just felt easier, Mm -hmm. right? I could explain, you know, in a short period of time who I am, what inspires me, where I hope to be, and that this is the the part of the quote unquote recruiting journey that I'm in. So the, the, I would say, you know, if you have a little bit of anxiety about networking, if you can spend some time to kind of do a little self-reflection and know self and what it is that you're looking for and develop out that elevator pitch, um, mm-hmm. that conversational piece will come a little bit more natural because essentially you have the start of the conversation when you introduce yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, to to add a cherry on top of that one is to, you know, once you get that elevator pitch together, it's also easier to sometimes find that helpful human that has some sort of thing in common with you, mm-hmm. whether they've been, had your major or you might be from the same hometown or something, because that also helps kind of ease that over as well. It won't always work like that, but sometimes you can have control over that on who you reach out to and yeah. getting started. Especially like with our Duke alumni, because they've been on campus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's a good point too. the the elevator pitch is like the first part of the conversation. So if you feel like you've got like that piece done, I know for me, if I feel like, OK, I can go into this interaction with something already prepped. So I feel prepared. It kind of calms me down a little bit. And that was an awesome point, Nicole. So I agree with that. Yeah. You have something when you go in. Definitely. And, you know, sometimes I look at it from the the approach of. I think I keep saying that. I gotta stop saying it. I look at it from this way or the approach of sorry, these are the thoughts. Squirrel. My You're fine. Squirrel you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think there's two sides to it, the sense of every conversation could be meaningful, mm-hmm. and then also the acceptance that not every conversation is meaningful. Um, maybe my conversation at Elevator really wasn't that meaningful. Uh, the actual Elevator with with Mark Emmert. Sorry, Mark, if you ever listen to this, which I doubt. Uh, oh, <laughs> but there, there's a bit of serendipity involved with it of, oh, it just kind of happened and we're here and we're having this conversation and it, it – it was over appetizers at some random restaurant and we happened to be talking about work and all of a sudden that led to a connection or there is the very intentional outreach. So let's talk a little bit about that. The intentional outreach of in-person versus online and what that could look like uh, from the standpoint of our students for ourselves, all of that good stuff. I think the important piece for that is do some research right? We, we just kind of all had these conversations about not going in blind and how that can combat some of that anxiety. Um, so doing some research, you know, knowing at least a baseline, maybe about a company that you're reaching out to an alumni or somebody on LinkedIn about so that you can, again, initiate that conversation. Um, but don't go in completely blind to say, hey, do you have 15 minutes to chat with me? And then don't know what you want to chat about, right? Um, or don't know anything about the company or don't know 
something. Um, so the, the research piece is something that I always make sure I emphasize to students. Do a little research. You don't have to go and write a thesis about the company, but at least know the basics so that you can, if for some reason the combo stalls, you have something to pick that conversation back up because you've done a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you, Rudy. Every time we go in the order where Nicole goes first, I forget your question. So restate the question for me. <laughs> in person versus online, how do you go about it? How for our students should they go about it? They mm -hmm. from that lens. Well, for the in person part, I feel like the the key to doing it, I feel like people are used to using LinkedIn to send like an insta message. And so that's them practicing networking like on a platform. So they're like, okay, I got a little template I can pull from Career Hub. I'll practice sending it out and see what I what response I get and then I can tweak it. With the in-person one, I feel like people avoid that one because it's somewhat the most more most uncomfortable. And you have to continuously practice it because you gotta find people to have conversations with to weave in your elevator pitch. So like for me, I had to practice it through giving tours to families at my undergrad institution constantly every week. So I always had to pitch myself to people. And so from having those constant interactions of saying, hi, my name is, hi, my name is, hi, my name is, I it got ingrained in my shady. mind. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so I had, it was ingrained in my mind of like, okay, this is what I share with people so they can know who I am in the, in the like 30 seconds. So practice that, practicing that with your peers at first is a good way to kind of get a feel of what your languages or how you talk about yourself and how you can use it in other different settings and kind of feel it in when you're doing those in-person interactions with like the career fair and stuff. Plug. Okay. Plug. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know things have changed and um, I've, I might be weird, but I always find that in-person is easier mm. than online um, because you don't, sometimes get to really get the full effect of the person that you're speaking with. You miss the body language, the cues. So I think that's one thing it kind of tells you how to lead in person, how to lead the conversation. If you see that they're drifting off, you just, you can see their interaction um, online. Like you said, it's, it's easy to go to the career hub. There's a whole networking one-on-one -on -one online course on the career hub um, <laughs> that will help you through that process um, because it could be vice versa for that person. Another, the next person, Person. They're very comfortable online um, and they can have those conversations, but you got to be ready for both because you don't know who you're going to encounter um, in, in what space you're going to encounter them in. Yeah. Yes. Can I say, however, comma, mm -hmm. that our students likely practice virtual interviewing every day without knowing it? Yeah, that's yes, a good point. That's, yeah. yeah. Because they're on FaceTime. Mm -hmm. You are FaceTiming and video chatting your friends. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a conversation. So you're practicing that. Yes, there's that piece of, you know, the person on the other end is a bit familiar. Mm -hmm. um, so that comfort level is there. But you are practicing that virtual interview every day without even knowing it. So again, you know, it's not a, I don't know how to have a virtual interview. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. You know how to FaceTime. You know how to, to, I don't know what the Android version is. I'm so sorry. Do not do this. Um, but you are literally <laughs> practicing that every day. So have some confidence in yourself. It's it's there. You don't even know it. And now I'm telling you, it's there. Triggered. <laughs> I think they're still using Skype. Uh, oh, um, no. We have a nice little platform and it's called Duo. Oh. oh. Don't do this. Also, don't do 
the DM slide. No. <laughs> that is a big no-no <laughs> when it comes to networking. In many ways, it kind of does feel like that. And I, I like to tell people that it gives them – you get like one chance kind of to go ahead and to go into that in, in mail to send a message or an email of introducing yourself mm-hmm. and to walk into it kind of unassuming – or to move into it unassuming and say, hi, I'm such and such, and I wanted to reach out because I saw you've done work on this, or um, I too am a Duke student, or I uh, graduated from Duke, and I want to work in this area. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I was curious. Don't keep going after that. Uh, sometimes we get ourselves in trouble if we just keep sending messages and comment on everything they post. And that can be a little uh, dangerous. But also just think about it this way too. Uh, it, if they don't respond, it says more about them than it does about you. Mm-hmm. And either good or bad, maybe they have a lot going on and they just can't get to it. I I have a in-mail waiting out there, a few right now, people <laughs> I've reached out to. And maybe they have a lot going on. Maybe they just don't want to talk and that's okay. There's there's enough as, oh, I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty of fish in the sea. There you oh, go. Yeah. See, I was trying to remix that to a blue devil in my head. I was like, there's plenty of devils in the pirate sea. It didn't work for me. But go ahead. Go <laughs> plenty for of it. devils in hell. <laughs> <laughs> my theology brain just went wild. <laughs> so back on track. <laughs> come to the career center. We're great. We get this all the time. I'm telling you, just come on in. <gasps> We've. I, I really want to give some language to this. Some, some of the stuff we we've mentioned so far. So I want to talk about informational interviews and the word transactional. Mm-hmm. What is an informational interview, and what do we talk about when we say the word transactional, and how do we move beyond that, and maybe how do we maintain a connection? It's a lot. Yeah, for mm-hmm. A B C D N E. Yeah. Um. So okay. Um. An informational interview is again, it's a conversation. Right, right. You're trying to figure something out. We're in that part of the of the process exploring. Um, you know, you may be trying to figure out what degree, what what route you want to go, what career you want to take with a degree that you have, and you just sit down and you have a conversation. It is not an interview. Don't walk away from that thinking that you're gonna have a job. <laughs> if it happens, great. If it doesn't, just Think about it as you've grown your network. So maybe if they do come across something that you're interested in or they can call somebody, hey, I know somebody named Kay. They, they're right for you. Let's get them in. Um, so I think it's more so just sitting down to have a conversation and explore, figure out some options, increasing your network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about that transactional piece? Would anybody want to touch on that one specifically? It is what it is. Um, I, I mean, honestly, at the at the core of it, a part of this conversation is meant to be transactional, right? You are you are trying to gain some insight and information from this person. That is a point of it being an informational interview. Mm-hmm. So I think we the approach is just understanding that it's always going to be a little bit transactional, but there's a purpose behind it, right? So it's not just something where you're asking somebody to to give you something with nothing in return. Mm-hmm. The return is you're using that information to apply, um, better yourself, have a better understanding of what you're interested in. Um, so yes, it's transactional, but it's more so informational, and it's a two-way transaction as mm-hmm. well 
-hmm. too. So as much as you're asking somebody to give you something, give you something in the form of information, you're giving that back. Um, and think about it this way, you know, you're representing them well as too, right? Mm -hmm. You can say, Oh, I had a great conversation with so-and-so and they really, you know, helped guide me through this interview process that brings kudos to them as well too. And who doesn't like some extra kudos in the workplace? Yeah. I think you always say it this way, Nicole, of who doesn't like to talk about themselves? Exactly. And and that's what you're giving back. You're you're giving affirmation to the person sometimes. If you can look at it that way of, hey, I think you're really good at this. Or like I'm really impressed by looking at your profile and seeing some of the work you've done. And I, I want to compliment you by asking to gain some insight about how you became you because that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think when you talk about trying to keep it, um, keep that relationship going, um, I always tell students, reach back out, right? So yeah. it doesn't have to be that you're reaching out to them every two weeks, unless you guys have developed out a, a, a relationship like that, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, a month or two may pass. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you again for our conversation. If there was something that they gave you as a takeaway, you can revisit that. Remember during the conversation when you mentioned this, I did a little bit more research. Here's how I feel about it. You know, and then you can either um, leave it at that in the email and let that conversation go on, or you can ask for a little bit more time. So that's how you keep them meaningful meaningful, and those connections going um, in my, my point of view. Mm -hmm. I second that. And I think when we say transactional, as in like, career center staff professionals, we mean, don't forget to remember that that person's a human at the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then like you were saying, relationship building, I think that's the important part. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today and I want to change it up a little bit for our rapid fire section. Come on, come on. Just on this this poor thing made it through a whole season, you guys, and it didn't break. Oh, Give wonderful. it up for the noisemaker. Thank you, Dallas. All the feedback. Below. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of answering the question of how do we find helpful humans and resources, let's just do a resource dump of some of our favorite resources of – how we direct students to practice networking or where can they go? Where do we recommend we tell them to go? All the good things. And go. I will start again, major clubs and organizations that connect you to faculty and staff. Period. Um, I'm going to go for um, big interview. Mm -hmm. If you want to have some um, definite interaction with practicing that virtual interview, um, that's a great resource that's free to you as a Duke student. There are some um, conversational classes, interviews. I, I lost my train of thought on that one, but there are modules in there um, that can speak to the type of, of industry that you're going into and the type of interview that you will likely have, and you can actually practice it. So there is a um, another quote-unquote person on the other end of the screen actually asking you questions. It will video you. You can go back. You can review it. You have the option to send it in to have it reviewed as well, too, through Big Interview. Um, so that's a great resource that I don't think many students know about. Um, and again, it's right at your fingertips via the Career Hub. Mm -hmm. Do Career Hub, Networking Guide, Informational Interviewing Guide, The Interviewing Guide, Boom, bang, pal. Guys, guys, guys. Oh, for me, 
I love the alumni directory both. <laughs> oh, you lag. You lag. <laughs> it was the last thing on our resource list. Yes, we make notes. <laughs> <laughs> the alumni directory, both alumni.duke.edu, then yeah. also on LinkedIn. I love the LinkedIn version. You don't have to be an alumni to go ahead and join that one. And people are consistently posting opportunities, and you're seeing people that are in the same industry areas that you may be in share opportunities or, hey, I'm in a career transition. I'm looking for this. And then boom, 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 boom. You see all your fellow Dukies just posting stuff, opportunities for you to possibly join. So, yeah. And can I say for the alumni directory, the actual one, not the one on LinkedIn, there are filters on there that are your best friend. So as soon as you log into the alumni directory, if you look on the left hand side, it'll say filters. You have the um, people filter, which will allow you to actually filter by industry as well as the actual organization or company that you may be interested in. Um, and then there is a at Duke one where you can look at majors, minors, and programs. So that gives you an opportunity to see what people who have the same majors, minors program that you had, what their career trajectory looked like. So it can also inspire you in different ways as you're looking for internships and different experiences and definitely people to reach out to. Um, so I have students that say that they love that it's already filtered out to all Duke alumni, but they want to take the conversation to LinkedIn because that's what they're used to. Mm. Perfectly acceptable both ways. You can also reach out directly through the Duke Alumni um, directory webpage. And I love, I think we all love as advisors to walk students through that process. Yeah. There's little mm -hmm. tips and tricks to that page even more. So schedule an appointment with a career advisor. Handshake. We're here. Handshake. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure to join all of you today and have great discussions surrounding how do we find helpful humans. I'm thankful that each of you are a helpful human to me. Um, <laughs> we love you, Rudy. <laughs> as, as cheesy as that is, I'm thankful for all the helpful humans in my life. And I, I do want to say that as you go throughout this day, throughout this week, as you listen to this podcast and you are in search of helpful humans, I hope that you do find them. I hope that people come out of the works and write you a letter. And if not, we will write you a letter. Let's get to know you and mm -hmm. come see us at the Career Center and we'll talk through it. We'll find a way to get or kickstart that search. Without further ado, that's what's career got to do with it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.